Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is episode 132. My name's Stephen Hill and I am joined as ever, forever, by that noise and Renfrey Deadman. <laughs> my apologies, I'm going to put my speakers on mute. Hello, Steve, how are you? I, I'm all right, thanks, mate. What was that What was that speaker noise? Uh, it was reminding me that it was a friend from home's birthday today. Good. Well, happy birthday to that friend from home. And what better <laughs> way to celebrate than by joining us as we review new music from Mogwai, Slow Tie, Nothing Nowhere, and The Hold Steady on this week's show. Um, thank you to Signature Brew, as ever. Hey, guys, don't worry, we haven't forgotten about Signature Brew. Not a chance. They're uh, very great supporters of the podcast. Thanks so much to them. As I mention every week, they have been beavering away for a decade over in East London, aren't they? Making yeah. music industry themed beers. I've made that sound really crap and corporate. Music <laughs> industry themed, music themed beers. They're not making like PR themed beers, are they? They're not making like radio playlist themed beers. Uh, go to signaturebrew.co.uk and you can get 10% off all of the beers that they have made in conjunction with the likes of Idol Slaves, Mogwai. Oh, they've got Mogwai beer. We're doing Mogwai this week. There is a Mogwai signature brew beer. Enter Shikari, The Darkness, Jamie <laughs> Lenman. They've done drinks. They've done a lovely Jamie Lenmanade, as I think we said quite a few times before. Plus, all their award-winning beers. Roadie, uh, All Night IPA. We spoke about the Nocturne. Um, which I absolutely love. It's bloody yeah. lovely, that is. I don't know if you can still get the Darkness um, Bell's End beer bitter from Christmas. That was a sort of oh, festive one. It's yeah. lovely. Mm. Do good beers. I'm, I'm thinking, I've not really drunk very much at all, as I've said quite a lot mm. over this uh, last lockdown period, because I'm trying to slim down room free. Mm-hmm. And, and doing quite well, I have to say. But I think... Ooh. At some point soon, it's going to be the weather. It's going to be my birthday in about a month. And I reckon I, yeah. might, I might stick a few of them in the freezer and then get them all ready for a big drinking session. Your birthday, a.k.a. the anniversary of this whole shit show kicking off. Yeah. Being merely days before the UK first went into lockdown. I know. Fucking hell. Mad, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely mad. It's not Signature Brew's fault, though. Don't blame no. them. So go over to signaturebrew.co.uk, 10% off all of your purchases when you put the code RIAACT into the checkout. And we actually got someone tweeted us the other day saying that they bought themselves a signature brew keg for their birthday by using our or using our um, our code, code as well. So they got money off. So they were delighted with that. Good to see. Good to see. Do make sure you do that. If you do use the code, and I suggest you do, then, you know, give us a little tweet. Yeah, let us know and, what you've ordered. Tag us and signature brew. And we like looking at your beers. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we do. Yes, I do. Yeah, I go. Yeah, oh, yeah. good, good for you. Yeah. All right, there you go. Uh, also, go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Riot Act Podcast, and you can sign up for our five pound a month tier, which gets you two classic albums a month. We will be on Monday releasing the special that I picked for my pick for this month. Typo negatives, brilliant nineteen ninety six masterpiece october rust um i just love i just love type of negative i just love them so much it was a lot of fun going into that album i realized i haven't really ever spoken to someone about typo negative in a professional setting before before we did that wow. podcast so that was a lot of fun for me mm. um i guess it only really comes up when you're 
of our age, <laughs> generally. That's um, a sad thing. I mean, if you is. are from the younger generation, you're like, who, who even is this band? Because I think the thing is, is the, it's probably the first time where we've done sort of smaller bands and stuff. I think I mentioned Gallows and Cave In and um, who else? Glassjaw as well and not. Mm. But at least those bands feel like they have, they're sort of around now still, aren't they? All yeah. of those bands. Yeah in some form or another whereas typo is just not around at all and we did talk about you know isn't it weird that for people our age type and negative were one of the definitive bands in metal of that time yeah one of the biggest one of the most uh prominent Mm. and you know for my money absolutely one of the best and yet you know the last sort of i'd say probably coming up 20 years typo they've really not been talked about almost at all even when they were putting records out you know their their profile dropped quite a lot in the new metal years didn't it yeah yeah it did i mean i suppose very difficult band to actually kind of categorize really Mm. i mean we had this discussion about are they even a metal band you know Mm. and there's like you could discuss that for hours you know we did we did, yeah, exactly. We did do that, we did. So anyway, that's coming on Monday. And after that, it's Renfrey's pick again. Do you want to reveal the next classic album after yeah. that? Or shall we wait a week? No, I don't mind. Um, okay, the, go on. The, so in two weeks' time after Typo Negative, you'll get a classic album on the 1993 sophomore album from Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream. Superb. Superb. I'm really, really looking forward to doing this one as well because it's the first time we've ever been able to be go really in deep nice on, be really nice about something. Yeah. We were pretty, we've been pretty. I mean, I did like, you know, I think I said oh so shiny and bright. I actually was quite positive about it. Mm-hmm. And I think at Wembley, they were good when they were great. I really actually enjoyed their set of download, which you weren't even on the podcast mm-hmm. with me that week when we reviewed it, but we weren't very positive about many things that smashing pumpkins have done since we've been a podcast so it's going to be good to just go a bit like we did with foo fighters i suppose and go look you know there is a reason why people like this band so much yeah well the Um, the last album was particularly what a terrible waste of time maybe the worst thing they've ever done i think it is yeah yeah i think it is yeah Anyway, well, we won't be talking about that very much, no, hopefully. We'll be talking about that. the best thing they've ever done. We'll be talking about the best thing they've ever done. Which is so that's co- Dream, not Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. Ooh. It's going to make for an interesting conversation. It is. It is. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm genuinely not sure. I don't mean I'm not sure as in I'm not sure you're right. I'm genuinely not sure. I don't know which one of those two albums are better. I want to get into it right now, but I can't. Well, you can't. Yeah, no, we'll you mustn't. That. You mustn't. Uh, can I just say as well, I've started working on the classic album after that, and I'm not going to say what that is next, but I've already done about nine pages of notes for the next classic album. And I promise you, the one after that, after Smashing Pumpkins, is going to be brilliant. It's going to be brilliant because already... I've been listening to it and I'm like, this is just the best shit in the world. But that's for, what, a month from now? You've done more notes for that one than I've done for Smashing Pumpkins. I've only done and five pages so Do you know what? I've, so I've, done, I've done nine pages of notes on it. This is gonna, it's going to be a really big one, by the way. I've done nine pages of notes on it and the band in question haven't even formed yet. Fucking hell. Okay. Yeah. It's going to be big. Anyway, wow. it's going to be like... As big as the big ones we've done, I think. Uh, that's for £5 a month. You can also, you know, get... 
the other classic albums that we've already done on the likes of Seeger, Ross, Guns N' Roses, Pink Floyd, The Beatles, Weezer, Sepultura, U2, The Pixies, Depeche Mode, System of a Down, Jane's Addiction, Gallows, as mentioned, Nick Cave, Foo Fighters, Beastie Boys, Queens of Stone Age, Blur, Lamb of Gods, Glassjaw, all kinds, all kinds of good stuff hanging out over for the £5 tier. If you don't want to pay £5, but you would like to do something, any other amount of money, and you can sign up for our other content that we do on our Patreon page on the Rioters Review. We actually just put one of those up this week gone, where we were joined by Tom Dare of the Hellbent for Metal podcast, talking about Altars of Plague's second album, Mammal, which a lot of people, again, have come back to us and gone, holy shit, I'd never listened to this album, or I'd listened to it and I didn't get it, and now I get it a bit more. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Tom. If you're listening, Tom, thank you, because you really brought a level of expertise to that podcast that Renfrey and I yeah. probably don't really possess, if yeah. we're being honest. there's We've got quite a few people asking us to basically do their entire discography on Rioters Review now, which yes. I don't know. I don't think would be a terrible idea. They've only got two other albums, haven't they? So Yeah, and we'll get Tom back in to do because I did give Tom the choice of what because yes you're right all of their albums have been suggested uh, because like i said when we did a writer's review the other day basically every album ever made has pretty much been suggested on our patreon page at this point That's hasn't a good it point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah so it might be a little while before we get back around to water of plagues but i think we will do it and we'll probably get tom back in as well because he nearly picked another one of their albums i can't remember which one of the other two that he was thinking about doing but i gave him the option and he went with mammal and it was really good yeah i think it was very good, good so you can listen to that yeah. and next week we've got another one coming out we're going to do these weekly where we talk about The Man Machine by Kraftwerk. Mm. My newfound love for Kraftwerk. Your new uh, favourite Disgust. I really do like Kraftwerk, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and that's was, a new thing. It was a really interesting one to do because they're a massive band who I had never listened to at all. Um, I just stuck with one album. Uh, Steve listened to their entire discography, went above mm-hmm. and beyond, as per. Um, and um, yeah, that really was, that was just a, That was just a nice like piece of serendipity to be honest yeah. that was yeah you know i was going to do that anyway um electro pop by craftworks the one by the way if you're interested just a bit of a spoiler Getting according on to great steve record. and nobody else apparently. according to n- literally nobody else i think i compare myself to patrick bateman quite a lot yes. because electro pop is like the easy one to listen to and P- yeah. patrick bateman uh, of american psycho fame he does like the more mainstream stuff he does that's probably true of me as well uh but anyway <laughs> anyway go an over to, t-shirt <laughs> well yeah yeah but you know um they're they're quite mainstream these days now aren't they the misfits i suppose they're massive yeah yeah pretty massive yeah. it's not like i was wearing it in 1981 when i was one um yeah so there you go go over to patreon.com forward slash riot act podcast and you can sign up and get all of that stuff. Um, uh, well, before we go into... I, there's no real news this week that I think is particularly worth mentioning other than that, you hear that new Gajira song. Fucking hell. Oh, shit. No, I haven't. Oh, God, it's great. I mean, I don't want to... Yeah. Look, uh, we don't really do individual song reviews and talk about individual songs so much because I just think it's crap, really. I just think it's pointless. But... um. But I have to say, the new Gajira song is bloody great. And they've got a new album coming out, which I knew anyway. Great. Brilliant. Okay, cool. Amazing. I'll listen to that straight after this. Uh, It's it's really good. I mean, that ain't news, is it? 
Gajira are good. Breaking news, everyone, from 2003. <laughs> Gajira are a good band. That's not news. But uh, the new Gajira song is fucking excellent. I just thought I'd mention that. Um, uh, but I did, what I did want to talk about, which is sort of metal related, I think, while we're all locked down in lockdown, I suppose a lot of us have been watching stuff on the old Netflix, haven't we? Oh, like the old Tiger Netflix. King. Yes. Have you seen <laughs> Have you seen Crime Scene uh, vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, the Ce- the Seesaw Hotel, the Cecil Hotel? I can't say Americans. I have. It sounds like exactly the sort of thing I'd like to see. I am a sucker mm. for the old true crime. Well, so. it's 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 been a sort of it's becoming. I think it's becoming one of those ones that everyone watches, like a sort of trending thing. Remind me like of the Tiger title, King. Steve. Remind me. Crime scene vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. We will okay. say Cecil. Okay. Um, so it's begin. It's this thing, right? And oh, I just wanted to say, uh, we stand with Morbid on the. Or I do anyway. You've not seen it. There's a guy, Morbid, who's like a black metal musician who basically gets blamed for murder in this this documentary i don't want to give you anybody any spoilers but well i will say this he, do, he, he doesn't do it right and he just happened to be a black metal musician who happened to be staying at this hotel like a fucking year before and the dude gets trolled so bad that he basically really? quits his band and shuts all his stuff down okay. and i thought unbelievable that the stigma of heavy metal in i mean it was 2013 in 2013 still the stigma of just being a bloke who dresses in black and plays metal music is enough for thousands of people to go you must be a murderer what kind where of fucking did, weird weird world are we living in where did it was this an american thing or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he's morbid is uh i believe he's mexican and he just went to LA to stay at this hotel a year before the person in question disappeared, disappeared, and he got in a load of shit for it. It's fucking ridiculous. And this is the news, is it? Well, it's not really news. I mean, <laughs> it's not news. I just thought I'd mention it because I'm sure some people have watched it. And if you haven't watched it, go and watch it. And I'm sure there are there are either people. If you haven't watched it, a bit like Don't Fuck with Cats when I was talking about, so oh, go and watch. You, you should go and you should go and watch um, Crime Scene Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. And ju- just for this poor bloke. And I was like, man, I, it was just interesting to me that, I mean, I thought that whole satanic panic bullshit was over and done with. But I don't know, people just attack this guy online to the point where he split his band up. He quit social media completely. He doesn't make music anymore. And All because con- he happened to stay at a hotel. You're convinced he didn't do it, Steve? Absolutely convinced he didn't do it. Okay. Absolutely convinced he didn't. He was there exactly a year before the person who, and he was, he's got like, he was in another country. Fucking hell, you sound like one of them. <laughs> have, have we learnt nothing from the West Memphis Three? <laughs> Clearly not. There is a serious point to this, Renfrey. Have yes. we learnt nothing? And that is, don't just believe things that you say heard on the internet straight away go oh, it must be true i saw it on the i've put two fucking web it's it's about web sleuths basically vanishing at the cecil hotel is a lot about web sleuths and those people are mental <laughs> just oh, okay. fucking men they're just mental web sleuths that'd be a good yeah. band name no <laughs> yeah would, wouldn't it <laughs> web sleuth uh <laughs> You're not a web web sleuth. I mean, that's like calling me and you doctors of musicology because we talk about 
because we, we talked about what we thought about the new Blink-182 album. Why do people think they know more than like the police and actual people who are investigating actual crimes? They go, no, no, I've seen a bit of CCT footage on YouTube. I'll so- solve this case. No, you won't. Why do it people... Mu- must be the man in the makeup, in the black makeup. <laughs> That's Why it, do is it? people with no expert knowledge whatsoever... Um, uh, promote themselves as experts. <laughs> Why? I, Why does I that don't, happen? I don't know. I don't know. It's boring. Is that a dig at? Is that a dig at us? No. Oh, right. So. Good. No, no, no. Just a dig at people. A dig at everyone. It's a dig at you. Thank you. Uh, all right. Anyway, yeah. Go and watch that. It's quite a good. It's quite a good documentary. It will make you really, really quite angry actually but i am i am gonna watch that maybe we'll uh catch up on that next week if there's no yeah we should yeah there's not i very much doubt there will be so expect renfrey's thoughts on that <laughs> and you go and watch it was only it's only four episodes go and watch it um oh, yeah, nice. I'll do that. F- fuck it let's do some reviews then since we've covered all of the news new gajira song and <laughs> hashtag morbid is innocent <laughs> um and start with mogwai Their new album is out today. If you're listening to this podcast today, it comes out. It's called As the Love Continues. It's the 10th studio album from the post-rock genre-defining Scotsman, the follow-up to 2017's Every Country Sun. Although we did review the original soundtrack for 2018 last year on the show, and we were pretty happy with that. It's sort of the first time we got a chance to do a Mogwai release, wasn't it, since we've been a podcast, I think. Was that uh, 000? Yeah, that's what it's called, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was called. For some reason, in my head, I thought it was called 2018. I don't know they, why. They they did. Um, they have released a live album called 2018. That might be why mm. people are getting confused. Um, That's it. During lockdown, but yes, this is the tenth studio album from Mogwai. As you say, one of my favourite bands of all time. Mm. Um, one of the things I love about Mogwai is that they've done all sorts of different styles throughout their career while still always maintaining a quality that makes them sound like Mogwai. They are one of those bands who kind of make the post-rock term seem foolhardy because if you listen to their first album, Mogwai Young Team, and then you listen to this album, the progression that's been made is unbelievable, I think. Consequently, when a new album comes along, we don't quite know what we're going to get, but we are certain that it will be of a very high standard. I don't. I think out of all of those 10 Mogwai albums, there isn't one that I don't like. And my least favourite mm. is probably like a low 8 out of 10. Or, you know, like I, I, I've just love everything they do basically um i'm very happy to report that as the love continues is no exception uh you may know what to expect but you will never get the same thing um so most of you will be aware of my fandom for mogwai but steve we only know bits and pieces about your relationship with mogwai have you kept up with what they've been doing what was the last mogwai album you heard in full that wasn't a soundtrack album let's say and how does it compare to this did this sound really different to what you were expecting well i think yeah i think it's worth saying before we start that i haven't listened to every single mogwai album um and i kind of feel like for me as someone who doesn't listen to tons and tons and tons of this music or or didn't anyway until you came along uh i kind of feel like i had enough mogwai in my life at, at some point probably the last thing that i listened to well the last one i went out and bought was um hardcore will never die but you but will, you will. 
Yeah, which I really, really liked. And there was, but there was a kind of period between that album and I think uh, Rock Action was one I bought and I, it never clicked with me. Right. And yeah. I know you love that record, I don't you? I love that record, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, that... as, as a matter of fact, fun Remfrey fact, I know you like these. Uh, Hardcore Will Never Die But You Will is probably my least favourite Maguire album, mm. which is okay. not to say it's a bad record. It's a great record, but it's probably my least favourite. I think it's because I heard Mogwai when they first came out, um, when Young Team and particularly Come On Die Young, uh, is that what it's called? Yep, the second album. Yeah. Yep. I thought for some reason I was like, hold on, have I got the name of that wrong? But no, I haven't. Those two albums I came out and... I think I heard I heard like Herod and I saw yeah. Mogwai at Reading Festival in about I want to say 1997 maybe 1998 and I saw a bit of them and I was like this is brilliant this is great and I didn't really have any kind of understanding or any kind of um uh comparative musical touch stones to compare with what that was so it there w- felt there wouldn't have been loads at there, and the, no no they, they probably weren't uh, and i found them very very exciting so i remember hearing like herod and being like this is mad this song's absolutely mental like, like herod is like one of the heaviest mogwai songs they've ever done if you don't think this kind of music can be heavy listen to like herod yeah and having seen them and then i went and bought uh come on die young i've actually i i you remember when you used to be able to go into like Virgin Megastore and there'd be an album on the rack? A listening post. And you could listen post, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I listened to uh, Come On Die Young on a listening post and I had to turn it up to full volume at the start because I was like, I can't fucking hear anything. I can hear people walking by and I can't yeah. hear anything. And yeah. then suddenly it would go... <laughs> and I was like, ah, my ears! And they used to really sort, enjoy doing that. Mobile. Yeah, which sort of sums Mogwai up, doesn't it? But I bought it immediately from that listening post experience. Yeah. And it's then su- I bought... It sums that period of Mogwai up. They've definitely mm. moved on from that in quite a long yeah. time ago. But yeah, and I, definitely. And I bought, period. I bought Young Team after that, and I really liked that. And then, so when Rock Action came out, I was very excited to get it. And for whatever reason, maybe it's because I don't really know what it was, but I just didn't find myself listening to it that much. And I sort it's quite, of, it's quite a departure, Rock Action. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? I don't even remember what it sounds like now because it's been that long. Because like I say, this is not something which I feel like I need to go over and over and over again. I was like, yeah. I've got my stuff. And then I just noticed that they had an album out in 2012, I want to say. 2011, Hardcore Will Never Die. Something out. like that, yeah. 2011. And they had done the Zidane film as well. And I thought it was quite interesting. I, I quite like that as a film. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I want to listen to the soundtrack on its own particularly. Mm-hmm. But... All the stuff that I've heard of theirs, I really like, but they're not a band that I feel like I desperately need to listen to everything from. Um, But they're certainly one of the best. I've always thought that they're the best band doing this. And in fact, I'd go go as far as to say that this album is evidence of why Mogwai are the premier band in this genre. Oh, great. Really. Um, Because they just seem to do more stuff to me. I mean, even the bands that that we've done this show that I like... You know, and there's been plenty of them at this point, really, you know, from Caspian to T for the Sea to Aiming from Rike to Alpha Male Tea Party, whatever kind of style of or, you know, uh, mold of that kind of roundly fits the post-rock genre. Mm -hmm. Um, Whoever you put in there, to me, they don't do as much stuff as Mogwai. And although there's a lot of subtlety in Mogwai's music, obviously, um, I really find them quite an instantaneous band. I think they give you 
endless instantaneous thrills. And I think that really, really sets them apart from, I'd say, the majority of instrumental bands, in my opinion. And they're not even strictly in, a purely an instrumental band, are they? I mean, even that's not that accurate. I think there's there's a lot of things that are just hugely inaccurate when it comes to describing Mogwai and trying to kind of pigeonhole Mogwai as a sort of sour face, po face, serious, mm. you know, muso band. I mm -hmm. don't think that's accurate at all, personally. Yeah. I, I completely agree with all of that. I think you've put all that really, really well. Um, you mentioned they're not strictly an instrumental band. They're, they're mainly an instrumental mm. band, although they do tend to, these days, certainly, they tend to have a lot more vocals on their records. They went through a mid period point there's an album called mr beast from 2006 which is a great album mm -hmm. by the way um and there's vocals on practically every other song on that record um but these days they'll always have they tend to have at least one song which has a vocal on it um this album's vocal song is richie sacramento which i think is one of the best uses of voice they've ever had in a mogwai song um, it features this gorgeously understated vocal from Stuart Braithwaite. Um, and they've been using his voice a lot more often in songs as he's grown more confident. And I just, I love hearing him sing. He's not a technically proficient singer in any way, shape or form, but he has a quiet sort of monotone reverence to his voice that just draws you in as a listener. Um, and he sings in a, you know, he sings in his accent and on Richie Sacramento, he sounds the most confident he's ever sounded on record, I think. I really love that song. I think it's an early highlight of this album. I think it's great. Yeah, and, and again, you know, I think that that's this is a perfect point to bring to, to kind of go on with what I was saying about the way that Mogwai kind of pigeonholed, because if you like the new wave of sort of shoegazy band, something like Nothing... I don't know why you wouldn't dig that song. It's Great not a, it's not a post rock song really. It's not really no. got anything to do with it's got a long, verse and a chorus. It's a verse chorus verse chorus song. It's a it's an indie rock song. Yeah. It's not and and that's that's what it is and a really really fucking good one as well. Yeah. I mean you know the the first song uh is called To the Bin My Friend Tonight We Vacate the Earth, which is great. I mean, it's not too, it's only five minutes long. It's not too long, is it? It's not an insanely long thing. And it just soars. It's got this really wicked Moog synth and this really cool electronic beat. And again, it's got hooks. It's got hooks, yeah. hooks everywhere. Like loads of hooks. And it's not, a, it's not, a, although it's brilliantly, com the composition is great. It's not really, like I, you think of post-rock as being very dowdy, challenging music. It's just not. It's just not really that challenging. It's nice to listen to. Yeah. It's nice and, and not to kind of downplay the musicality of it, but it's actually really nice to listen to. And again, Dry Fantasy, the second song, 80s Lausch vibe. If you like the kind of, you know, synthy 80s sound, I don't know why you wouldn't like that. And it's completely different from the first song. They don't sound, I mean, they do sound like the same band, but, but they don't sound like, this, you know, the same thing in any way at all. I think you could argue that of all uh, 11 songs on this album uh, and mm. yet they all retain a quality which makes them very Mogwai-esque and th those are the best bands in my opinion and that's why Mogwai are at the top of their game. Um, 
alongside the likes of Cigarose and stuff like that, but for totally different reasons, I think. Um, I I really like the first half of this record, but I think the second half is where it really shifts into gear. I thought I you might say that. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Or uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I actually, I, I mean, I think the best song is on the second half of it. Okay. What do you think the best song is? Uh, I think the best song on the record is Midnight Flit. So do I. Yeah, yeah which what could, a fucking song. Which is incredible, and it's really orchestral and cinematic. Mm. Um, the first one you hear contribution it. from Atticus Ross. So does it? Okay. My guess is it's Atticus Ross who's doing all those beautiful mm-hmm. cinematic strings. They're amazing. It sounds like the best Massive Attack song you've heard in about twenty years. Yeah, that's a great shout. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the song builds with these sort of burbling synths and bell-like electronics and very subtle jangling guitar before the the entire thing swells with this re- these really ascendant strings. It's very kind of late nineties, isn't it? Very Verve, Massive Attack, mm. debatably Porter's Head. I don't know if Porter's Head ever became this extravagant, but yeah, it is an absolutely stunning song. Um, one of my favourite songs of the year, I think. It's just yeah. absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and, and, it's and, really, and really good. Easily the, I uh, yeah, easily the best song on 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 oh, on a record which has a few um, contenders for best song, but I think Midnight Flit is the one. It's I think so as well. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I I do really like. I mean, when you're looking at the, the start, I mean, the, we talked about the first song, and then here we here we here we go forever. I mean, that almost sounds like, and that sounds like a mid-90s indie song to me. I mean, again, there's no lyrics on it, but it's not a million miles away from Block Party or LCD Sound System. It's got a kind of disco beat to it. It's not navel-gazing music in any way whatsoever, just nope. to kind of really hammer that point home. Um, I would say, like I said, I really like Dry Fantasy. I really like Richie Sacramento. Um, Fuck Off Money's got the old Living on a Prayer vocoder on it, but there's more <laughs> yeah. of a... Yeah. touch of craft work and before me as well like ceiling granny it's got oh. a smash smashing pumpkins riff yeah it's a punk rock song yeah again you know th- this doesn't feel like a post-rock album to me at all ceiling really. granny has i think is the song which has the most old school mogwai vibe to it it feels like one of the heavier punkier things punkier i mean it feels like one of the heavier faster things i guess that they would have done from the first couple of records or um something like glasgow mega snake for fans or old poisons um it's really good really distorted but jubilant uplifting melody that's played at full tilt and Mm. there's something really exuberant and triumphant about it i really love it when mogwai like that you know yeah yeah i mean you probably would know better than me i mean i was gonna say to me the most mogwai sounding song on here is probably the last one which is it's what we want to do mum um, or, or even maybe not the most Mogwai sounding song, but the song, if someone said to me, or or if I thought about what people say Mogwai sound like, mm. that's what I think people think Mogwai sound like. The most. Yes. Because I it's think... the long, it's the longest, sort of yeah. the most subdued, the most slowest, but it's also got probably got the, not, not maybe not the widest dynamic range of the entire record, but it does have a very big dynamic range it's very very quiet but it's very very loud at points as well it's a crescendo song you know yeah i think i think that song is probably the most like what people think mogwai are and mogwai sometimes are that but there are also so many other things as well 
um and that's not you know people would probably assume that that's their default setting and i don't think that's true especially mm -hmm. these days especially these days so yeah yeah but mm. i understand what you're saying um towards the second half i mean yeah i don't know i think maybe i think midnight flip being the best song helps the second half uh yeah i i don't know if the second half is a better i mean there's the 10th song supposedly we were nightmares i really like that that that's great and that sounds a bit like the killers i think like it it also reminds me of uh it ain't broke but fix it anyway by a but done by sort of grown-ups um <laughs> it's really rhythmically satisfying there's this kind of guitar well that, that goes all the way through it but you get all this kind of um i want to say i mean it sounds insulting to say fluff but you get like really nice bass lines and really nice key pattern just a really good rhythmical pattern like that that changes throughout the whole thing and it's really danceable yeah and i actually really i really love that song i think that's that's great so yeah i think the probably the, my two favorite songs are in the second half of the record they have really dancey moments i'm really tempted to point you in the direction of rave tapes which is their um eighth album so two before this which has a very kind of electro dance vibe to it it's really good rave tapes um i think overall in their catalog or oh, it's it's really difficult um it's difficult putting mogwai albums in 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 order and i think it might sound like i'm saying it's not as good as I, as it, as it should be when i say that i think this might be my sixth favorite mogwai album but i just feel like that's more down to the quality of their back catalog like it's mm. so high mm. this is a great record and in like most people's discographies would be like their second or third best but mogwai are just better than everyone else so so for <laughs> for me it's probably fifth or sixth um, I don't like it quite as much as their last record, Every Country Sun, which I really, really liked. But bar that one, it's probably my favourite Mogwai record since The Hawk is Howling, which I think is 2008. Ah, so good. it's my favourite in a good while. I mean, I've got to say from my, you know, from the, the this being, what is it, the ninth album? Um, tenth. Tenth. Tenth album. So I reckon I've heard half of their back catalogue, maybe a little bit more now. Um, I think at its best, at its best, that this is as good as anything that I've heard from them at its best. Yeah. I don't think it's consistently that good all the way through, Yeah, but I think this is really, really good. It's certainly, I, from memory, uh, it's been a couple of years since I listened to hardcore will never die, but you will, but I think I like it more than hardcore, ne hardcore will never die, but you will. Yeah. I probably couldn't sit here and say it's better than young team or come on die young, but no. I'd struggle to say that as well. But. but I think, like I say, the if you took the four best songs off this record, I think they'd be, for me, they'd be as good as anything on either of those two records. I agree. Mm. I agree. Possibly, it is, it, possibly even better. When you consider a song like Midnight Flit, possibly even better. Like, yeah. they wouldn't have been capable of doing a song like Midnight Flit back in 97 or 99, you know. Mm. It's really good. Really very good. Um, they, I don't really have anything else to say about that other than, I mean, this is not a bad start. It's, it's, it's never listened to Mogwai before. 
yeah, I was about to say it's brilliant. It's not a bad starting place at all, I would say. Um I mean other good starting points. They do they did actually release a best of not too long ago, I think for their 20th anniversary called Central Belters, which is three discs. Um but that, you know, if you want an overview of Mogwai and their entire career more or less by the last two albums, that's a pretty good place as well if you want a little bit more depth. But if you wanted to start with a record, yeah, this isn't a bad one to start with. I mm. think Every Country Sun isn't a bad one to start with either, the last one. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know, to be honest, but it does, like I say, I don't feel like I need to listen to every single Mogwai album to really, really like them a yeah. lot probably yeah. more than i mean the fact that there's at least four mogwai albums that i really like is probably more than any other band of their ilk, ilk. i would say yeah. Yeah. and for my money they're certainly uh the best band that do this kind of thing whatever you think this kind of thing is I and would, i don't really know what to say that is really you wouldn't get any argument from me at all good Hooray, we're on the same page. Uh, there you go. That's the new album from Mogwai. It's called As the Love Continues. It is out right bloody now. Let's continue with something very different indeed. This came out last week. It's the second album from Northampton-based punk rapper Slow Tie. Tyron is the name of the record. It's a follow-up to 2019's Mercury-nominated album, There's Nothing Great About Britain. Now, I was at the Mercury Music Awards back in 2019 when slow time made so many headlines uh, as he held the decapitated head of boris johnson not literally some sort of papier-mâché <laughs> head and kicked it about and jumped on tables and pushed things <coughs> over and basically created quite the ruckus and the daily mail got all kind of frothy mouthed about it and slow tie was a hero he was a bloody hero and after seeing that, and it, it was genuinely quite an exciting performance by Slow Tie, to be fair. I, I thought it was really good. And I hadn't same. I hadn't listened to um, There's Nothing Great About Britain at that point. And it made me go and listen to it. And I thought it was a great record. You know, like I said, um, I think I said it at the time, it's a really good meld of British grime and punk rock. And it took some brilliantly savage digs at the absurdity of this country through you know, the lens of quite a typical working class kid from a, a shitty town. Mm. And I I thought it was a really, really good record. And everyone seemed to really, really like Slow Tie. And then he sort of went and fucked it up a little bit, didn't he? Because mm. he got went to the Enemy mm -hmm. Awards and he got pissed. And he made some lewd comments directed at the comedian Catherine Ryan, who was on stage at the time and he'd, he'd been named hero of the year and he'd been enemy, named he'd been say. named hero of the year probably due to the the boris johnson thing which everyone yeah. really liked let's not forget and he ended up getting in a ruck with one of the members of the audience who chucked some drink over him and he went down and it's all on video and he had to kind of shut called up him, and he had to called him a misogynist apparently yeah and he um he got in a ruck and it was got broke up and he got thrown out and everyone was like, what a piece of shit. He's horrible. Blah, 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 blah. Now, we did kind of speak about that at the time, I believe. I think we sort of mentioned it on a podcast back in the day. Um, I don't think there's anything big or clever about what Slow Tie did that night. But here's the thing, right? Now, if you want to celebrate somebody who sort of 
kicks over tables while holding Boris Johnson's severed head and performing songs about growing up in a broken working class environment, then you kind of have to accept the fact that this person is going to have... Um, I don't want to say you don't have to kind of accept the fact that he's going to have those kind of attitudes, but you have to accept the fact, I think, that there is an underclass of society from which I think slow tie genuinely comes from that are not going to behave in polite society in the way that maybe some of the more um, the, uh, the woke middle class people who were listening to his music would want him to. If you like the idea of him kicking shit over and fucking stuff up when he's holding Boris Johnson's severed head. I mean, you know, this isn't a game for slow tie, I don't think. I mean, this isn't common people, you know, this isn't fucking, um, you know, this is an expression of real things. Like his friends are probably unemployed, working class, drug addicts and <laughs> wrong-uns and he probably none of them feel like they do have much to celebrate and much to be positive about and i i think people kind of cosplaying like oh slow time when he held boris johnson's head they're, they're kind of you i don't think you can expect somebody he's not the bloke from the 1975 i think he's living that actual life and unfortunately if you're that pissed off and angry and frustrated and out of control about the kind of things that he was talking about from the government you there's a very good chance that you're just like that in general and i think it was all fun and games and great until you know it, it started tipping over into things that those people didn't like and i didn't really i'm not saying what slow tide did was fine he came across as a bit of a cock but I don't think you can demonise him too much, frankly. And those people, and a lot of people did. Um, I think the Boris Johnson stuff was a little bit of a storm in a teacup to a degree. Um, I looked at the footage of that incident and it seemed, I, I'm sure it was a lot more um, ruckusy, fucking hell, uh, if you were there. But um, it seemed a little bit tame from what I saw and you know the offspring were bringing on dolls of boy bands and girl bands and cutting off their heads and stuff like that back in the 90s and pearl jam were bringing out a mask of george w bush around 2003 around the iraq war for the riot act tour funnily enough mm -hmm. and routinely mocking him whilst performing their song bush leaguer uh, much to the chagrin of some of their more conservative fans um and I guess I guess it got a lot of coverage because it happened at an event where there was a lot of media. But the event itself felt very blown up. I can't really um I can't really say that his background has anything to do with whatever happened between him and Catherine Ryan. I think you should just, you know, I think irrelevant of your background, you should be able to like be respectful to women or whatever um yeah i mean it was more the kind of the fight that i was thinking of like i know well, the shit he said to Catherine ryan i mean yeah it's not probably not got anything to do with his background but what i'm saying is is if you're a drunk young working class kid and you get chucked to the enemy awards and plastered with champagne and told you're the hero of the year you might get drunk and do something which involves doing maybe what you always did when you were a drunk kid in a working car. I mean, you know, those towns are 
full of people who feel like they've got nothing else to do apart from go out and get pissed and trash stuff. And that's what people liked about Slow Ties music. That's why I, I don't think you can be surprised when someone makes an album detailing all of that that they turn out to actually be like that. Because mm. it felt anarchic, do you mean? Musically. Well, I think the, the people that were championing him because he was holding Boris Johnson's head, I mean, let's be real, the people that were annoyed about him holding Boris Johnson's head were people who read the Daily Mail who would never even consider listening to Slow Ties music in any way whatsoever. So it didn't matter what, like whatever he did. That it's not like they're going to go, oh, I would have listened to him, but now he's holding, like, mm. no, you wouldn't, mate. You listen to fucking Eric Clapton, probably. Yeah. And... um so they they don't care mm. uh, about him, but it was sort of the reaction from the people who were like, oh, we thought you were a champion and a hero because you held Boris Johnson's severed head. He's a fucking pissed off, angry... He's not... Uh, you know, they're gonna, holding someone up like that is like, Yo, you were meant to be the voice of a generation. It's like, well, he doesn't come from the same place as the people that were proclaiming him that. And I don't think them suddenly going, oh, well, we thought you were this, but now it turns out you're a misogynist. That's like, I, there's got to be some kind of middle ground around here somewhere. I don't, like I say, he's not going to, Slow Tie is not the bloke from, is not Matty Healy from the 1975. That's not what he is. People were calling him the voice of a generation for holding a severed papier-mâché head of Boris well, Johnson and maybe not literally calling that but I think people were going here's somebody who's talking about Britain and what it's actually like and you know this is what needs to be said and you know th this is this is a, a, a fantastic critique and to be fair I think it is I think the album you know there's nothing great about Britain is a really really scathingly often hilarious like very astute and often hilarious but 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 as well, like kind of aimlessly fist swinging anger at mm. everything that he sees around him. Slow tie is is not Dave, mm. you know. I don't think he's quite that. This is fervent punk. You know, if he was a punk band, he wouldn't. I don't think he'd be the Clash. I think he'd be more likely to be the Sex Pistols, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, following this incident at the Enemy Awards in 2020, uh, he returned to his hometown of Northampton, gave up drinking and made this album from the mm. basement of his mum's house. Um, do you think this album has a sort of redemptive vibe to it? Do you think that's what he's going for? Well, it's funny for me that this album came out exactly a year to the day since that incident with Catherine Ryan. It actually came out exactly one year to the day. Um... And you're pretty sure that's purposeful. I d well, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a funny little um, coincidence. Uh, coincidence, probably. Um, and certainly, he was very apologetic in the aftermath of that happening. Um, and this record definitely has a very, very different vibe to his first record. I think it does feel much more insular it does feel much more um uh self-reflective as a record it definitely feels to be more feels to me like it's more about him than it is about everything else that is going on around him um i mean i have to say 
Am I disappointed in this record? I'm disappointed in parts of it, I think. I don't think this is a bad record by any stretch of the imagination. But I do feel like he's deliberately, maybe because of the reaction from both sides of the political divide toward him, he's become more insular for this record, but I still don't think he's he's not fully jumped in two-footed. Do you know what I mean? Again, to compare this to Psychodrama by Dave, I don't feel like, which is a complete, you know, it's a completely different record, but it's, uh, that to me is, for, for kind of British rap, is the, I guess the kind of pinnacle of a self-reflective story about, a very personal story about, you know, that's, it's a, you know, it's a, a, a brilliant, brilliant record. And there's no, cut corners or there's no bravado it's very very honest i think this album is is quite honest i mean there's something slower and more subdued for quite a lot of this record and i have to say i mean i do kind of miss the energy of there's nothing great about britain on it and i can't help feeling like slow tires slightly begun the process of maybe gentrifying himself a little bit well, fit. it's kind of billed as a double album, isn't it? Yeah. Um, despite the fact that if we are calling this a double album, it's probably the shortest double album of all time, <laughs> uh, being as it's 35 minutes and seven seconds. Mm. Um, so I kind of wanted to... I kind of wanted to get an idea of why the double album and thematically the two sides are subtly different with the first half concentrating more on the hard hitting side of him uh whereas the second half it's mellower and has softened modern r&b textures and blah 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 but it didn't feel like two distinct halves to me so much as a really not really it seemed like a Uh, more organic transition yeah that i i think it definitely goes through stages i Mm. think it kind of the first half of it is mm, i mean it starts sort of quite aggro with 45 smoke and i think it's that's a decent piece of sort of bluster but it doesn't really say anything to me and then i think you get a song like cancelled which just amounts to sort of boasting about not being cancelled because you played glastonbury and girls were grabbing you which although that's the words of skepta and not slow time self to be fair well that's but another, that's, that's another thing a bit isn't clunky it? isn't it well that's another thing you kind of think that surely that should be a statement that comes from slow tie I, I mean i thought it would be like addressing the enemy awards in 2020 but the fact that he gives that to skepta it feels like he's copping out a little bit do you know what i mean he doesn't actually do all that much on that song well he you does know. say you know like main stage in my boxes and fuck the grammys and all that and it's like yeah 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 yeah. and i, I didn't music i didn't mind it but i was like ah, i don't I, unless it's like this is my mindset going into this record and you see it change as the record progresses i can sort of see that but i think opening your record by uh, being pretty clunky hmm. is not is not is not great and for mm. me the second half the second half of the record is is probably the most successful even which is weird because it's it's certainly the more mellower of the two halves and i do kind of miss the the energy of the his debut record 
Um, I mean, you get. I, I just feel like. I mean, there's a song called like there's a song called Mazza, right? And it it talks about how he felt like he hadn't fallen in love until he took drugs and i feel like that should be much more emotionally resonating than it actually is mm. it doesn't really it sort of says stuff but it doesn't really get to the crux of anything and again like vex is is quite catchy and it's got a hook but i don't really feel like it says anything and it's got quite a clean production and it almost sounds quite nice and i don't if he's gonna be heavy i don't if he's going to go kind of hard and it's going to be the more aggressive style, I would quite like him to to feel more aggressive and to, to actually, you know, there's nothing great about Britain. It's a very kind of ramshackle, uh, rough and ready, harsh sounding record. And the first half of this sort of isn't really. And it's not to me really until dead that I think this album really starts to reveal anything interesting about its creator at all. You know, people... But that's a good 10 or 12 minutes into a 35-minute record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it says people change with money is one of the lyrics. And you get a sense... That's the first time where I got a sense of the real struggle that Slow Tie's having with being in the spotlight, which I think ultimately is thematically the only through line you have of this record in any way. And it talks about vices. It talks about the media. It talks about his lack of trust to people, his relationship with his family. And the album does begin to improve for me after that. Um, and, you know, Play With Fire is the last track on the sort of first half. It's still a bit blustery. But it sort of slows down a bit and it reveals a bit more about him. It's still got the bravado as fuck attitude on it. Like I'm the best, the best thing since electric is one of the lines on it. And I just found myself sort of going, have you just copped out of sort of revealing anything for the, for the first half? I was like, you know, you've got songs like cancelled and dead and play with fire and stuff. You, you look at the track list and you're like, and they're all capitalized as well. So it's all like shouted those things. And I thought this is going to be like a real kind of fiery first half that then, you know, that's, mm. and, but it's not, for me, it's not fiery enough and it doesn't mm. really reveal anything about slow tie mm. particularly. Yeah. I think I'd agree with that. Yeah. But the second half, I think the second half is more successful at revealing yes. stuff about him. Most yes. definitely. Um, I think um, I, I really liked the song push um it's brilliant i guess yeah, that's the, the best that that and the nhs back to back to back i think is i the, totally agree the push, two best songs yeah push yeah. and nhs are the best songs on this record um oh yeah and they are back to back aren't they yeah mm -hmm. um i think that acoustic thing brought on i think that is deb deb never and her vocals as well yeah. like it's almost like a modern day um stan <laughs> in a weird way yeah is that a ridiculous reference I, I no know. not really no um, i mean yeah yeah, uh, that is, a. I think that kind of low energy but heartfelt thing. Yeah. Like musically, it's interesting, that that kind of a, a acoustic, delicate role that yeah, goes love, on throughout yeah. it. I, I, I mean, love that acoustic passage. It's yeah. really nice, really nice. It's really, it's really cool. And I think, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't really say anything that he hasn't already sort of said during that second portion of the record. I mean, you've got a song like... Um, uh on uh, on i tried life got me in a headlock musically it's got a kind of much more soulful almost like plan b on strickland banks sort of feel to it focus is probably the first time where he starts sounding a bit sad 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. He says, yeah. no one can lean on, I've got no one I can lean on, so I'm walking with a walking stick. And I'm like, oh, you know, he sounds kind of, it gets to the point where it slows down to the point where he actually feels sad. And then, you know, um, stuff like, uh, what well, terms with Denzel Curry and Dominic Fike. I came to terms with it no matter what they no matter what they get my words twisted never push a man who's got nothing to lose and i like how he sort of you know in, he feels like he's sort of wrestling with something in those songs and yes. i i and i like that and i did like that but it, I, I don't know yeah i mean even the end you know the adhd which is the last song has a bit of dummy by porter said about it which i thought was cool mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. feel away with james blake is sort of a love song which is sort of weird putting that it's sort of a relationship song, which he puts right by the end. And I was like, you're kind of, you were, felt like you were kind of building, well, not even building, but breaking down into something. And then mm. you just put this relationship song after the two best songs, which, yeah. I mean, N- you know, NHS is great, I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think it, NHS is brilliant. It sort of reminds me of a song like Television by Idols. Um, and it's about sort of taking pride in yourself, whatever you look like, however you feel, accepting who you are, all that stuff. I was like, that, that's that's great. And musically, it's really, really well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely the, the highlight of the record, I think. And But overall, I think it's a pretty confused record. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, I think it has moments. I think it has highlights which really lift it but as a record as a whole not being able to keep someone engaged for 35 minutes is not particularly good especially when you have two dynamic halves i feel like they could have been more dynamic i feel Mm. like more could have been if you're gonna do a double album this feels like a really half-assed way to do a double album do you know what i mean it's a little bit like um because that Coldplay record was technically a double album yeah. for no discernible reason and and this has in my eyes as much much right to be a double album as that last Coldplay album did which mm. is absolutely I mean, like, none I can <laughs> <laughs> I can see it being an album of two halves but like you say it's more like an album which starts at one place and slowly yeah disint- well, not even slowly but quite quickly disintegrates into something else yeah but the thing that it starts is is not particularly engaging in the first place i mean even with my limited knowledge it's certainly it seems completely absurd to bring up stuff like run the jewels or clipping in compared to this in comparison to this you know Mm. this is absolutely no contest whatsoever in terms of which is more abrasive and which feels more alive and engaging you know yeah I, I, i mean I don't know, man. I admire Slow Tie for trying to go a bit more introspective. Um, I think he, at this point, he's kind of better at doing the ah, sort of social, I want to say social commentary, but more like social destruction. And he sort of undermine. I mean, he sort of tries to do it a bit at the start, but then I think he's sort of just undermining it when you do a song like Cancelled and it's just like... Yeah. Um and it's not to say that you can't do two things on the same album or you can't go from one place to another, but I don't think, I think he's trying to reveal something which he, he doesn't quite manage to reveal. Mm. And I think this feels oddly, I guess it's kind of more artistically challenging than the previous record, but yet not as rounded or fulfilled artistically at all. And my hope for him is that he, he, 
this is something that he either that he learns from and either leans right in on like lean right in on it really look into yourself and open up and don't be scared to do that because if i feel like i don't know if the reaction from the media toward him has pushed him into a place where he feels like he should do this and that isn't what no artist should be if you want to write an album about people's reaction to you you should do that because that's what you want to do and I don't know if this maybe is something which he felt like he had to do because he had to come out and apologize and he had so much shit and he he feels like oh shit I have to address this and if you're going to something going oh well I've got to make a new album and I kind of have to address the fact that this sort of period of craziness happened for me and if you're doing that you might not and you, but you don't really want to you might not be throwing yourself fully into it mm. and i kind of feel like that's sort of what ha- what's happened here and I, so my hope for him is that he if he wants to do that in the future that he does it on his own terms and he isn't afraid to jump two-footed fully into doing that because there are signs here that he could do that yeah they are they are just that they are just signs or that he stops pandering to the fact that people were wagging their finger at him and does whatever it is that he wants to do because it's not a good look to, to to do an album based on what you think people want to hear that's nobody wants that from an artist and you know i'm i'm not sure what we're going to get next from slow tie after hearing this i felt like when there's nothing great about britain came out it was like i know who this guy is i know what he is and i know what he stands for and i know I can see his, but he painted the picture of what slow tie was brilliantly. And he felt like, I mean, we said, you were like, I mean, does this even fit the sort of remit of stuff that we do? And in parts of it, it kind of doesn't like it kind mm. of, in parts of it. It's only because, but the, the last album I would have gone absolutely, mm. absolutely. This guy should be, you know, he could play download, like mm. he could play, well, obviously he could play Redden and Leeds, but, you know, he he felt like a proper alternative artist, and now I'm like, I don't really know what you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly feels a stretch to say he'd be good for download based on this record and this record alone. Based on this record, yeah, mm-hmm. it would be a hell of a stretch. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, but before, you know, when he was working with Slaves and stuff, it, absolutely, I think that could have okay. been a thing. Um, I don't want artists to make music kind of apologetically based on the fact that people were reacting to them in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been artists in the past before who have made albums that are a reaction to something that happened to them and they've gone, right, I'm going to make an album about that and that's what I want to do. This doesn't really feel like that to me. No. I, I, I agree, actually. Yeah, I mm. agree totally. It does feel just like the double album concept. It does just all feel a little bit half-assed. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, I yeah. don't know. I mean, obviously, we, we, we don't know. We don't know why why that is. But it's, um, yeah, it's quite a frustrating record, this. I found it quite frustrating because I was really, really looking forward to hearing it. I was really looking forward to hearing what he'd do next. And I really expected some kind of growth. And I think, although it would be, it, it's not true to say there isn't any growth in him as an artist. Mm. Uh, he kind of feels like he's been pushed into it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's not quite got, there's, there's, like I say, there are glimpses that he would be able to do that 
thing if he wanted to and and i'm sure he kind of wants to or you but i don't know i don't know it just feels it's like, yeah it, it just it, it just feels like this is stuck between it's a real compromise of a record compromise of a record yeah there's the quote yeah, <laughs> yeah it does it does feel like it um is it an album you go back to it's not an album i go back to no uh there's a couple of songs on it that i would probably like i say pushing nhs would be the two that i think are definitely the best i really like i, I really like dead as well i think dead's good mm-hmm. um apart from that i mean I, literally the first five songs uh, there's really nothing to get mm-hmm. uh, excited ab- about at all for me but you know yeah yeah what are you gonna do um anything else to add to that Rimfrey? i guess the only thing i will add is despite you saying all of that and i do agree with everything that you've just said um having previously known nothing about slow tie bar all the kind of red top um media bullshit celeb stuff um i i I do actually like this album more than i expected to like it uh just because we haven't really covered grime on this podcast before uh, mainly because i'm probably not going to like grime it, it kind of comes more from that sort of um i'm not saying grime and gangster rap are the same thing but it's more from that gangster rap end of the hip-hop spectrum than it is say i don't know beastie boys or whatever you know something uh more yeah um it's got that uh, bravado and aggressiveness and stuff and i've really not enjoyed that in the past and uh while this album does have that stuff um I, I I didn't mind it anywhere near as much as I thought I was going to, which meant that I could actually sit back and just enjoy the record. But there isn't, for the reasons that we've just discussed, there isn't really much to enjoy in the record anyway, if that makes sense. Mm. So, I mean, I would say that Nothing Great About Britain is a, a completely different record, I think. Completely I was, different record. And I was really tempted to go back to Nothing, especially considering this is so short. I was really tempted to give that one listen, but I ran out of time. But yeah. yeah, I might I might still do that if you're saying it's yeah, a totally you different record. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think you should. Um, anyway, there you go. Uh, might just be a misstep. Who knows? Uh, there yeah. you go. Tyron by Slow Tie is out now. Let's move on to our next record, which comes from Nothing Nowhere. The album's called The Trauma Factory. It is the fourth full-length album from emo rapper Joseph Mulhern, aka Nothing Nowhere, the follow-up to 2018's Ruiner album. Now ditto from <laughs> from grime to emo rap we've not really talked about this style of music before uh, but there's no doubt that this particular idea of i guess taking mid noughties mall emo um heartland post hardcore and playing it through a kind of lackadaisical soundcloud rap style has become something of a big deal over the last few years it appears to have really connected with a large group of young people the world over it is really one of the most zeitgeisty styles around or it was a couple of years back i think um i feel like there's quite a few things to unpack uh here before we properly get into it i mean it's not really made music like this is not really made for people like you or i is it remfrey really no you did say over the phone to me that this album is going to make us feel very very old and this album <laughs> yeah. made me feel very very old yeah um, uh, but as you correctly pointed out it is um 
it's causing quite a big reaction. I was really surprised to learn because I hadn't heard of Nothing Nowhere until a couple of weeks ago when I started getting emails about it. And I was like, oh, okay, sounds vaguely interesting, but, you know, whatever. Um, and I was quite surprised when you said that we should cover it. Although, having said that, I was really surprised to learn that he is the second most listened to our artist on Spotify uh that we're doing this week he's the second most listened artist so slow tie has the most monthly listeners at four million odd um but nothing nowhere is one million six hundred thirty six thousand and forty eight well to 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 put that into even bigger context for you um nothing nowhere isn't even the biggest one of these artists by a, quite a considerable distance i mean uh, just to sort of say, you know, I mean, modern 808 rap and the type of emo that made you and I stop listening to emo, uh, probably never going to be our favourite type of music, I would suggest. But saying that, you know, I think anything that is doing something new and approaching music in a different sort of way, I think is probably worth us at least taking a look at. And yeah. this is pretty original, although we, as a podcast, I suppose we're fairly late to the party here. I had a mate, um, James Sharrock, who was a photographer or is a photographer for Metal Hammer. And it was about 2016, maybe early 2017. He told me that he'd been to see Little Peep. Um, oh, yeah. And he, he was really impressed by him and he said you know like it was really amazing and he told me he said you got to check this guy out he was melding these two styles in a really original way and he thought that it was going to blow up really big he said that you know kids at the show were going absolutely mad for this guy um i had a little look at it at the time and i can't really say that it grabbed me that much and you know i looked into it a little bit i mean i know the dude bones is like the original emo rapper and I didn't think that was awful. I suppose the 808s and Heartbreak album by Kanye West, you could say, is a little bit of an influence on this as well. But really, Little Peep, particularly uh, Juice World and XXX Tentacion, are the kind of big breakout stars of this scene. And as we sit here in 2021, all of them have sadly passed away at either age 20 or 21. And that is undeniably a really sad thing to see yeah. three young people who were making music that other young people were really connecting to pass away at that very very early age is is a sad thing um but you know musically for me personally it's always been a bit of a struggle to actually enjoy one of these artists music and i i do kind of wonder that with the biggest stars of that scene gone i mean having those three die within the space of two years from each other that's like Kurt Cobain, Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder all dying okay, two, two years after Nevermind came out. Mm. Um, and to kind of back that theory up, although Nothing Nowhere are the most popular, are, you know, it's a very popular artist. Um, his biggest song has nine million more streams than the most popular Slow Tie song. Um, so that's 39 million streams for Hammer. That really pales in comparison to Lil Peep's biggest song, Falling Down, has over 638 million streams wow. on Spotify. Juice World has over 1.5 billion streams of Lucid Dreams, and XXX Tentacion has a similar more than 1.5 billion streams of the song Sad, uh, which is obviously absolutely fucking loads <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yes thank you <laughs> that that is that is a that is as big as 
any any fucking artist we will cover pretty much i mean i i actually looked up as a sort of comparative point justin timberlake's biggest song um i just picked a random massive pop star justin timberlake's biggest song has about 30 million more listens than uh juice world's biggest song pretty massive wow Um, yeah I mean, to be fair to uh, to nothing nowhere though. He's although he's not on that level presently. I think he's clearly more of a part of punk rock culture than the guys that I've mentioned before. He's on Fueled by Ramen Records. He's played at the Pit Stage, uh, Reading and Leeds. He's played the Avalanche Stage at Download. He was due to tour with Neck Deep um, before COVID hit, and. Although that might point to, you know, a fairly meagre size in the UK comparatively with those other artists. He actually, in the US, I saw his last headline tour. He played Webster Hall in New York, which is where I saw Alice in Chains. Oh, to wow. give you an idea of his size. So he's fairly sizable in the US. Apparently, um, he's also supported the likes of Grandson, Real Friends, Tiny Moving Parts, Thrice and La Dispute. Hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, I think this has got a lot more actual guitars and rock-based instrumentation than many of the types of artists that do this sort of thing. And the older, more traditional bands that are trying to kind of claw their way into the mainstream, looking at you, Blink-182, sound really old and crap in comparison to this, is what I would say. Um, I mean, if I'm being really honest, I don't and can't ever really imagine myself loving this record, particularly the kind of softer, slower R&B style slow jam bits. A song like Crave is a little too far away from what we covered to really click with me. But then even as someone who hasn't really liked email pop punk for a long, long, long time, I mean, those genres are basically dead to me at this point. He does breathe a little life into something which I think is quite tired. Um... What do you think of this, Rimfrey? Uh, there's an argument to say that this isn't a million miles away from what, say, Jonah Matranga has been doing for the last 20 years. From the, <laughs> point, from the point of view that, you know, they're both making very emotionally led songs with whatever they have to hand, basically. It's very DIY in that respect. It's just been produced and catered for an audience much younger than you or me. It's emo presented as very modern pop, SoundCloud rap style pop. Um, You described this to me on the phone, and from what you were saying, I thought I was going to hate it. It sounded like everything that I tend to dislike on, Mm. um, on these kind of things. You mentioned SoundCloud rap and it's sounding very digitized and you'd say it said it make me feel very old listening to it and and all of those things are true to be honest but i don't i don't hate this really uh whilst the whilst the production style is most definitely not to my taste at all and something that i think will sound very dated in five years time uh underneath all that glossy digital production i think there are some you know, decent enough emo pop songs. Um, I'm sure if Jimmy Eat World did a song like Fake Friend, I'd probably get some enjoyment out of it. Mm. I think there's a good song in there somewhere. I think there's probably a decent song underneath all the multi-tracked bubblegum vocals of Pretend, you know? None of these songs are going to wake me throw away my Sunny Day Real Estate albums or my Mineral albums or anything like that, but... I think there is buried underneath that really sheeny, shiny, 
SoundCloud rap digital th- production style. There are, you know, some quite decent song ideas. Um, he's talked about wanting this to be a genreless album. And I think the thing that prevents it from being a genreless album is the style of production. I think that style of production is sort of beginning to become a genre in and of itself. Mm. Um, you could compare this to the 100 Gex records in, in many ways. Not in every way. It's certainly not as chaotic and convoluted and it doesn't go into many as many areas as that. But because of the process nature of it, it makes it all sound very samey, even though he's actually taking from lots of different styles of music. Mm. Um, that SoundCloud rapper thing has, yeah, more or less become a genre at this point. And due to everything being put under that digitized pop production, it ends up sounding far less dynamic than it should have been if it were done with more organic instrumentation. Um, of the few songs that have a full bound band sound on them, th- those those songs sound like a far more enticing proposition. Something like Nightmare or Barely Breathing, they've got they they sound much more expansive and dynamic, and it makes for a bit of a weird um, makes for a bit of a weird journey through the record because you've got these songs which have bigger, more organic uh instrumentation mixed with these songs which sound like they're demos basically and it just sounds really odd to me um and oddly not very cohesive and i think that production style makes it sound like this isn't a very long album it's 15 songs but all the songs are around three minutes like they're really really short it's about 42 minutes this album Mm -hmm. and i found myself getting bored about two-thirds of the way in not because it wasn't varied, but because the production just makes most of these songs sound the same. There's a couple of exceptions. Um, what's that song? Uh, Death comes yeah. out. Um, I saw a review on Clash, which compared that song to Rage Against the Machine. I don't think that's right, um, but it's more... Yeah, that's not right. <clears throat> but it's more aggro. Much, much more aggro than a lot of the rest of the record. Record. I think that's another thing about it, though. And you, you mentioned this to me. It's a bit wet, isn't it? Yeah, it's very wet. It, it's quite wet, but then emo is quite wet. Well, of course it is. <laughs> yeah, know? of course it uh, is. So I, I think. Uh, but this is uh, like this is like the dashboard confessional end of wetness, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. I, I mean, you know, this is. It's. Which is fine. It's feelings and a dashboard confessional for the most part, I think, were... I mean, again, you know, when when you and I talk about emo that we really like, Mm. be it Thursday or Sensefield or Texas is the Reason or, you know, whoever, even if you want to go quick quick sand or Planes Mistaken for Star, yeah, that kind of thing, you know, those are essentially rough and ready punk rock bands who listened to the smiths and joy division and had you know wore their heart very very much on their sleeve now jimmy world i guess began to change that into you know i've always jokingly referred jimmy world as like the bon jovi of emo i think (laughs) saves the day have quite a you know quite a um you know a big cross to bear on that as well but when dashboard confessional come along that's when it's proper mall emo 
thing isn't it and then you go two directions you go towards that kind of super poppy fallout boy heart on sleeve thing or you know there's the stuff with bats and you know fake blood and all that kind of stuff and all that kind of stuff and this definitely is going more and more and more you know goes way down the road towards that very very china matranga is you know another one who is on the ver- you know like i mean we spoke about spanish love songs like it's like the, the dude's gonna cry yeah. like you just like it's like talking to someone who is trying not to like you know when someone's talking they're like trying not to cry yeah. you can see their bottom lip going absolutely mental mm. i mean i don't think that is this album doesn't sound like that but it is so emotionally bare you know it's sort of like it's so rip my chest open and look at my sad beating crying heart and that's that's just sort of emo i think like i don't think that's even particularly like that kind of you say wetness i said wetness a bit as well but that kind of you know yeah that kind of sad boy thing is just is is for me is a little part and parcel of something i'm I'm kind of used to that so that's not really the problem i mean i have to say when the first song started i thought fuck this is going to be a really long record because it's because it was just very slight and it didn't really give me anything and i thought if i'm going to get 40 minutes of this slightness and this kind of like you say kind of bubbly you know like like a bubble that pops on when you come anywhere near it then i was like i think this is going to be a long album but then the second song buck started and i thought it's got a bit more pop about it um he's got really good vocal patterns throughout so much of it um level chemistry is actually pretty good for a kind of mainstream sounding thing actually quite liked it changes itself up a lot mixes kind of guitars and beats and the pace moves around quite a lot i mean you can't say compositionally it's not good um I mean, the fact I, I don't know if I would go back to this record, but I tell you what, I think the fact that I don't know if I would go back to this record, it's probably a good thing because, you know, there's no way I'd even have thought I would consider going back to any modern emo or emo rapper ever before. Mm. And I think there's at least enough of a balance on this for you to go, okay, this is what this is, but, you know, when it gets a bit angels and airwaves, um, I, I'm I'm not that keen on it. Yeah. When it gets too kind of stadiumy and too kind of like, <laughs> I'm not really that keen on it. But when there's stuff like, there's a song which you know called Upside Down, which I thought first listening, I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to like this, but the melody of it is really good. I quite fake, like Upside Down. Fake, yeah. fake friend. I mean, that's a that's an yeah. actual that's a banger yeah that's a, that is a bit of a banger and death you know i mean you mentioned rage against the machine i think that's a bit much but it's new metal heavy it's yeah, yeah you know 2002 new metal heavy at least it's better than cmft must be stopped by Corey taylor right definitely oh, i mean and you know uh, there there are pop punk songs that i would actually quite consider listening to again like pretend and blood i mean that is a hell of both of them that is a hell of a compliment coming from me that it has just enough that is different from that genre. And it's not dorky, you know, like pop punk can be really dorky and it can be really, really po-faced. And obviously this is emo and it's a little bit po-faced and it's about feelings and pain and all that. But you know what? It's delivered with enough 
stuff. It's delivered with enough different vocal inflections and it's different enough and it's got occasionally got enough grit to it for me to actually feel like I'm like, mm, it's not the word, you know, it's not, it's not that bad, a lot of it. I don't I think mean, it's that bad, though. Yeah. No, and you mentioned, okay. you, you mentioned Nightmare, and I think that sort of mixes 80s rock and the Miami Vice soundtrack with a bit of rap and a bit of 90s indie, and it's got a shitty vocoder bit, which, mm. you know, you kind of have to expect at this point. And, but I don't, I don't really mind it. And there's, like, there's stuff like Crave and Real where it does get a bit too wet for me. It sounds like Justin Bieber fronting fucking You Me at Six or something. I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm probably never, ever, ever, ever going to get on board with something like that. But in terms of going, I've not really heard that much stuff that is like that. And it's different enough. I think it's all right, man. I think it's, I think this is, I'm surprised at how much I found myself by the end, by kind of four or five listens in going, there's good enough songs on here for me to go. This isn't a bad album at all. I I was singing along to a couple of songs on my second listen. So Mm. they're clearly catchy. Um, Mm. And I don't think they're catchy in in an irritating way either. Um, No. I, I think this album's okay. I don't think I'm going to go back to it um, because I've got Sunnydale Real Estate and Jimmy Eat World and The Promise Ring and, you know, uh, and yeah. those are just going to fill, fill the desire that I have for that sort of thing much, much more uh, acutely. But, um, but, you know, I think this is okay. Um, do you think you posited a theory over the phone that it could be a sort of bridging album for people? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, do you think this could be a gateway to something else? I mean, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'd be interested to see what you think. Because uh, people who are interested in rap decide that maybe emo and I guess by extension, guitars and rock music may well be something worth investing their time in mm. having heard this. Right uh, now, yeah. I don't know. I wanted to think so. I think the 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 biggest problem is the sort of algorithms on streaming sites. So I don't know exactly how they work and I'm not saying that they need to be rejigged or anything like that, but if you go to fans also like on Spotify, it doesn't give you the promise no. ring and Jimmy Wells <laughs> and all this. It gives you uh 20 artists who I've never even heard of, uh including Shingamai, oh, not said that right, Family Pet, Fatsy, Gucci High Waters, Cozy Boy, Lund, Hobby, spelt with a six, uh, Convolk, <laughs> Little Aaron. So angry. So angry that they spelt Hobby with a six. How fucking dare you? You've got Little Aaron, Little Lotus, and Little Happy, Little Sad, three in a row there. Yeah, I mean, people like Little Aaron and Little Lotus are, you know, fairly sizable artists from that world. Um, yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah, that is taking... Um, I guess that's taking one. Um, yeah, I'm just taking one platform, although it's yeah. probably the biggest for well, of course it probably is, the yeah. biggest that people use. Um, you know, uh, I think I think someone would have to write an article like, do you like Nothing Nowhere? If so, here's 10 albums from the 90s that you should check out or 15 albums or 20 albums from the 90s. Well, you look, I, I don't think it's going to be that straight a line, to be honest. Mm. Well, what it's what not. what it's going to be is that somebody's going to go, um, you know, somebody's going to go. 
oh, I like this guy. He's on Fueled by Ramen. And then they're going to listen to Jim, Jim Class Heroes and see that Travis Barker drums for Jim Class Heroes. Yeah. And then they're going to listen to Blink-182. And then from Blink-182, they're going to listen to their whole Blink-182 back catalogue and decide to listen to someone who toured with like maybe Weezer or mm -hmm, Saves mm -hmm. the Day. And then if they listen to Saves the Day, they might listen to Jimmy Eat World. If they listen to Jimmy Eat World, they might listen to the prom. <laughs> then they might, I mean, probably not in the promise ring, but then they might listen to something else. And, and, and it, it's yeah. a, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it is a long road. You are starting at the bottom of a mountain and yeah. the top, and th that mountain is Mount Everest. So I think it's maybe. I don't know, man. I don't. Know. I don't think it's impossible. Like, here's what I would say: I don't think it's impossible. And now, I, I have had people before, like Merle from Metal Hammer. If he was here, he would be saying to you, "The reason I listen to Ruins of Beverast is because I bought Hybrid Theory." Hmm. That is what he would, and he believes that to be true. I don't know if I believe that to be true personally, mm -hmm. because I think you've got to have something in you that wants to find that most people who listen to this will probably just go this is the sort of thing i like yeah. this is the sort of thing i continue to like there there is um there there is and there are people i believe who are interested enough in music history to maybe listen to this and go i i wonder where this came from mm -hmm. and how far back they trace that i have no idea but there mm -hmm. could be people who might end up listening to even if it's Jimmy Eat World, that's good. That's a good thing that they end up listening to Jimmy Eat World or, totally. you know, or, or, or Coed in Cambria or something like that. You know, uh, good. That'd be great. Um, so I don't want to shit on it. And particularly the fact that, I mean, you know, like what I don't see is this bringing loads of kind of rap fans into punk particularly not that that would be a, a bad thing particularly but you know I, I don't see that happening really in the same way as loads of people who liked backstreet boys suddenly said they were metal fans when linkin park came along yeah quite yeah exactly so i don't think it's i don't think it's a bad record and i don't think it's going to have a negative effect on you know kind of guitar music in general but i think it does have the potential for a very very small amount of people to discover a lot of very good new music that you and I would be like, yes, you should listen to that. It's really good. Yeah. And for that alone, I'm happy to give it a pass. As a matter of fact, I'm happy to give it a pass because some of the, some of the stuff on here is quite good, you know. Um, Put it this I way, just... right? If, if, if you just said to me at the start of the week, what do you think would be better? Nothing, nowhere or slow tie. I'd have definitely said slow tie. And I actually don't think slow ties album is, I think this is better than slow ties album personally. I agree. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you then. You were going to say something. No, no, no. I, I think that's a good point to end it on. I, I okay. agree with that entirely. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, that is Trauma Factory by Nothing Nowhere and it's out now. Right, let's do our last record of the week. It comes from the Hold Steady. The album's called Open Door Policy. It's the eighth studio album from the New York-based Heartland Rockers. The follow-up to the fairly well-reviewed on this show, at least anyway, Thrashing Through the Passion album. That album was good. But having heard the quite brilliant Girls and Boys in America, which you brought to me, I could see that it definitely wasn't the best work that they've ever done, but yeah. it was still good. Uh, Renfrey, you bloody love the Hold Steady. I know this about you. That's a I fact. I think they are. Don't deny it. Fucking fantastic. Um, poetic Heartland rockers. They're kind of, um, yeah, that Heartland rock thing, but with more of a poet uh, fronting them than a, than a traditional sort of singy, 
man <laughs> traditional singing man uh yeah. craig, craig finn has that way of sort of speaking and singing at the same time um and he just has a great voice and and his lyrics are just fucking brilliant like in terms of mm. like putting you in a place and how evocative they are um there's from spices we've got we're at the table and she's yelling out her order vanilla vodka in a diet dr pepper something wrapped in black wax paper we're gonna see where this goes she's pouring liquor into sponge sugar something extra in a salt shaker she only does this as an icebreaker so go ahead with the show she makes it really clear that she's a way different person than the person i knew in the past but once she starts rolling it's wild like the ocean then the ocean is violent and vast you know really poetic really beautifully mm. putting you in a situation and a place um and yeah as you rightly said 2019's thrashing through the passion found the band revisiting the uh the essential elements that form their early sound i think it'd be fair to say thanks partly into in to the return of uh, franz nikolai the keyboard yep. player uh, but Open Door Policy is an album that really makes good on the hold steady, continuing that sense of vitality and retaining the spirit of the band's initial output, whilst also offering songs that sound fresh and relevant in 2021. Um, it's quite a forlorn record for the hold steady. Normally the hold steady are all about like drinking and good times and party vibes and stuff like that. And Open Door Policy begins really forlornly, forlornly uh, with piano and Finn's vocal. It's not a way that we're used to hearing the whole start, steady record start. And the song gradually unfurls into something elegiac and almost pretty. You know, it's called um, The Feelers. Um, but always with that slight hint of despondency to it. It evokes a certain melancholy quite beautifully, I think. And it it hooked me straight away because as someone who is familiar with all of the Hold Steady's records, it felt like it was still very much the Hold Steady, but the Hold Steady doing something a bit different, a bit dour. It takes a couple of, you know, it takes three or four songs before we get some party rabble rousing anthems, I feel like on this record. But I actually quite like that. Yeah, this took me a little while, this one. Mm. I thought, great, new Hold Steady records. I've listened to, you know, two or three of their albums now i feel like i know what i'm gonna get and it, it all just felt a bit off on the first few listens for me mm, to be i can understand honest. that i can understand and that it's and, it, and you're right it's because the feelers it doesn't roar out of the traps in the way that their previous material that i had heard had not I mean, it's still a, definitely a good song but like you say it's much more subdued and and quite a bit more serious it felt serious mm. as well it you know like the the albums as i listened to before it just felt like road trip straight away you know totally. what i mean here we go road totally. trip where this is a bit more you know i'm stuck in a dive bar in the middle of nowhere because my cars run out of gas and you've had to make a 10 mile walk through the desert with only 10 dollars in your pocket Absolutely. and now you're sitting sharing a like you know a single malt whiskey with not knowing what the fuck you're gonna do and it's springsteen down on his luck as opposed yeah. to born in the usa but i prefer springsteen down on his luck than i do yeah. to born in the, yeah personally but you know right. I, prefer, um, I prefer nebraska to born in the usa definitely you know definitely yeah. yeah yeah i think i probably do as well um and then the next song spices it's kind of here's the thing about it it feels a bit melted and discordant it sort of feels like bad seeds meets fugazi it's got a bit of that about it you know it's and then it, the horns come in and it just sort of suddenly gels and 
you forget that it started weird. But there's so much about this record, which I think just sounds, it sort of sounds like lots of it sounds off. Mm. Lots of it sounds weird. I was like, because, you know, everything of theirs that I've listened to before, it's not even about the sort of down on your luck Springsteen about it. It's about the fact that everything previously felt so perfectly in tune and, you know, congealed and everyone was working together on the same. And it felt like a band totally in sync with each other and telling this great story. And the, the script felt perfectly created whereas here like lanyards again I, I really like it but the piano sounds like it's getting its head kicked in for most of that song and it's quite different and it, it's still got the hooks and it's still got you know you mentioned the passion the heart and the fantastic storytelling but the, you know the, there's just so many bits in it where i'm like family farm the drums are, just feel like they're behind everyone else i feel like yeah. the drums are trying to catch up with the rest of the song mm. they're not completely in sync with each other and and um, I mean, Unpleasant Breakfast is a, is a great song, Brilliant, great yeah. sax, really wicked, chuggy riff. But is that not the weirdest backing vocals you've ever heard in your fucking life? Yeah. Just yeah, like yeah, fireworks yeah. randomly going off in the background. Whee! Yeah. Whee! Like it's it's all <laughs> over the place. I mean, the last minute of the song is fucking brilliant and they always bring it back round to itself perfectly. But it's kind of like seeing an old friend who you haven't seen for a long time and you know they've been through some quite difficult times in the last couple of years and they're just a little bit more dour and sad than they were before but then through talking to them they become that old you know you know when you like get back in touch with like your old school friends or something like that and you kind of regress to that yeah. age you just gradually regress and remember the f old friendship you had and it feels really kind of healing in that sense you know it's still very recognizably the hold steady but there is a certain melancholy to it um yeah. certainly in the album's first half but i really I, they do that really well a lot of the slower hold steady songs are my favorites anyway um so to hear an album which is almost like half and half i actually think is really cool but it gets really like by the end it sounds really triumphant and it does make it sound like you've been on a journey over the mm. 10 songs and 40 odd minutes yeah i mean that the the song um hanover camera which is yeah. the last song sounds a bit like black velvet i think yeah at the start of it black velvet in a little boy's smart sounds like that you got like um me and magdalena starts like a sort of thrash jazz song and uh, yeah everything on it seems like they they never they never do the obvious thing um and they I don't know. It, it's a, it's an, it really it surprised me this record mm, because I thought me. I knew exactly what I was going to get. I thought, oh, it might be a little bit faster, maybe a little bit slower, maybe it'd be a bit heavier. Like that, you know, that you, you, you kind of go, I was expecting to come in and go, it's another really good hold steady record. Yeah. And it is another really good hold steady record, but it's genuinely quite different. And it's different in a very, a very odd way. It's a really odd how different it is because, yeah. I've not heard odd, them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I mean, I've, as I said at the start, I've been doing a bunch of research for our next classic album special. And again, I won't say who it is, but one of the band, well, the most famous song that the band did was written by one of the members of the band, and the rest of the band hated it when they were told how to do it and play it, play it like this. And they came and said, "No, I'm not doing this." It's sad because they were like, "This sounds off. Sounds out of tune. It sounds timing sounds wrong. It just sounds wrong." And they went on to have 
like a massive a massive hit with it and i mean i mean an absolutely massive 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 hit with it so it just goes to show that sometimes you can make weird shit sound great and against all the odds really super catchy too and the, i think you know the hold steady have made an album which it's just a kind of distorted version of themselves and i really enjoyed the mm. change and it's really unusual and very unlikely for a band to do this and to do this this deep into their career but you know Ulmer is great and i mean the brass on this record is fucking yeah. outrageous yeah it's brilliant i totally agree um this is actually i mean <clears throat> it's a far more dour album than you'd expect from a band whose fourth album was titled stay positive you know but it's yeah. a mood that the hold steady simmer in really well, I think. And in fact, I think I'd probably go as far as to say that Open Door Policy is probably my favourite album that the band have released since the aforementioned Stay Positive album, which came out in 2008. So it's my favourite hold steady album for 13 years. I really like this. And, mm. and even overall, this is what, their eighth album? This would probably be my third or fourth favourite. It'd be in the top half rather than the lower half. Wow. Bottom of the top half, if that makes sense. I, I, that, I really I really like this record and I'm pretty certain I'm going to be returning to it quite a lot. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I, like I say, I'm not surprised because no. everything of theirs I've heard is really good. But what I'm surprised about is how different it sounds. Yeah, I'm not surprised it's good at all. Not in the slightest. But I am surprised by the direction that they've taken but I'm very happy to hear the direction they've taken. I think it sounds really good. Yeah. Ultimately, if you like the idea of Springsteen and Slint being smushed together, mm. then I think you'll probably really like this record. Yeah. It's dead good. There you go. That's the hold steady. Uh, the album's called Open Door Policy. It is out now as well. Always pretty positive about the hold steady, aren't we? Uh, that's it for the show. Thanks very much for listening. This has been fairly short, Renfrey. It's not too bad. For us, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite good. Next week will be longer though, because next week will be more releases next week. We're doing Architects, Julian Baker, No Effects, and others next week. Yeah. Big week. That's three releases. They're all really quite big. Yeah. And there are some other things that we'll be doing as well that are big, big, big as well. Uh, go over to signaturebrew.co.uk, put Riot Act in the checkout, and you get 10% off of your pub, your keg, your beers, your things, your snacks, your other beers, your non alcoholic beers and your beers and we will see you on monday hopefully if you sign up to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash right act podcast you get type of negatives october rusk on monday and then midway through the week either wednesday or thursday you will get craft work yes. on the patreon page so go and sign up for that sounds definitely worth five english pounds mm. or four pound fifty english pounds i think i don't something know like something like something like that anyway uh thanks very much for listening guys we'll see you next week Toodle pip.